But look what he says here in verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. This is during the kingdom time. Now, we're seeing a little bit of that even in our time. But it's not the fulfillment of these scriptures. Even though there's a lot of similarities and history repeats itself, but there is a lot of good stuff that's happening over there in Israel. But it's not the end of it yet. You look down there in verse uh, 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall Peter Amato leap as a heart as a deer. And the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness and shall waters break out in streams in the desert. Parched ground shall become a pool. Thirsty land springs of water. Inhabitants of dragons where each day, each lay, shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And there will be a highway from Egypt all the way through. So there will be uh, the king's highway. But there's a lot of things that are going to happen during this period of time that has been prophesied for so long. This is the kingdom of heaven. Christ will be here. Abraham, Isaac, Jake, they're all going to be here. This is going to be one joyous time. We just came through, or somebody did, this worst period of time on the face of the earth. We were up in heaven, we come back down, and now this is the best time of all human history for people to really enjoy this wonderful place, this wonderful land. Now take your Bible, look in the 65th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah 65, and look there in verse 17. Verse 17. He says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. Boy, they have been through nothing but misery for over almost 3,000 years. But the time is coming where God is going to fulfill His promise that He made to Israel. You see, there can't be peace on earth without the Prince of Peace. Well, He's going to be here. He's going to be here, and there's going to be peace. But look what He says in verse 19. He says, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. In other words, if a, a person, a child that lives to be a hundred years old, in comparison to living to be a thousand years old, and you live to be a hundred, you're just a child. You know, like I've said before, you know, here's Al back there. He's 80-something years old, right? All right, I'm 69. I'm just a pup. I'm just a child. But he's talking about if you live to be 100, you're just a child in comparison to a living to be 1,000 years old. But if you haven't trusted the Lord, I believe by the time that 100 years is up, I think you've got troubles. That God puts a curse and you probably will be dead or you're going to die at that period of time. So this is why our soul-winning days may not be over. You still may be able to win people to Christ here because there's going to be a lot of people being born into the world, and it says the increase of His kingdom, there'll be no end. How many people 
I don't know, but remember, it says there is as many as the sands of the sea. When the devil comes out at the end, and that's just those people that has to be within the hundred years at the end that he's able to take those because I believe up to that point. Now, there was the rest of them already then died. Now, there's not a lot of details given about all of this stuff, so I'm just kind of hitting generically a little bit. But I believe the, the truth there is just haven't figured out all the, the little stuff on how God does everything. But I do know this. He compares a man's life to the age of a tree. Now, there's trees that live to be 500, 1,000 years old, especially some good old oak trees. But look what he says there. In this verse 21, And they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, eat the fruit of them. In other words, this will not be in vain. You'll be able to eat the fruit of your labor. And every man will have his own fig tree. And this is where the women go get these strawberries and they feed them to us as we lay under the shade of the fig tree. Amen? I knew you'd like that. I, I figured you would. Verse 22, They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hand. Long enjoy. See, back before the flood, they lived almost a thousand years. Have you ever heard of a guy named Methuselah? Now, he lived 969 years. Now, I've already got the 69 years taken care of. But can you imagine living another 900 years with the way things are in the world and the way there's all these problems and sicknesses and all that kind of... I don't know if I'd want to live another 900 years. I'm not even sure of a, another 100 years. I wouldn't mind giving it a whirl. <laughs> I've never died before. I just don't want to hurt. But this is where you hear about, you know, sometimes people talk about this, but this is where you see it. See there in verse 23, They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Offspring. So there's going to have to be offspring during this period of time. There's kids going to be born. They're going to live. They're going to grow up. Did you know it will probably be just as difficult trying to convince a kid here about the things that have already happened as it is now? Because you can say, you know, we just came through seven year tribulation period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, my mom scared me to death. <laughs> At what age is it easier to win somebody to the Lord? Well, it seemed like this ought to be the easiest one. I mean, here's, here's, here's Abraham and Isaac. There's Jacob. There's King David. They probably will not be any easier to convince of all of this than we are. Isn't it true that in spite of everything God has revealed, and this is where we are right now, People still don't believe it. I don't care how much you tell them. You can tell them what's going to take place in the future. Still won't believe it. Well, anyway, look what he says there in verse 24. He said, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. I mean, the Lord's going to be right here. He knows your thoughts. And while you're praying, God already knows what you're thinking and can be, I mean, it can be on its way. I think it's going to be awesome. And then look at verse 25. Now, you've heard about this here all your life, just about. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. Now, you may not know this, some of you city slickers. A wolf 
likes to eat lamb. Now, lamb don't eat wolf. Wolf eats the lamb. It is unnatural for a wolf and a, a lamb to feed together. But during this period of time, it will be. Did you know if it hadn't been for the curse upon the earth that they probably wouldn't have ate each other back then? It was only afterwards, after the curse upon the earth. And get this, the lion shall eat straw. The serpent will still eat his dust. <laughs> no change there. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. Because God says he's going to set up his kingdom. The word mountains converted to a kingdom. He called that, refers to that in the book of Daniel in reference to the kingdom upon the earth. So take your Bible and go all the way back there to the book of Revelation and chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And you'll notice that in Revelation chapter 20, in verse 4, he said, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. Judgment was given unto them. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hand. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. When it talks about these people here, these are those that were killed during the tribulation period because this is where the beast and the false prophet were, that you had to have the, the mark of the beast and worship his name and so forth. So these are the people who came from here that were killed, and now they're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Now we talk about the first resurrection. The first resurrection is the resurrection with power. The second resurrection, there is no power. In other words, there's no eternal life. It's the lost people. So the first resurrection, Christ the first fruits. then we have some more, and then we have some more. But it's all part of the first resurrection. These that have trusted Christ as their Savior, and even though they have died, there's been a resurrection. Now, for you and I that are alive when Christ comes back, we don't have to worry about a resurrection. Why? Our bodies will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and we will not die. So there is a generation living that will physically never see death. So if Christ came today, tonight, you that have trusted Christ as your Savior, you'll be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's called the rapture. So we will be caught up to meet with the Lord in the air. There's others that will be resurrected, and he says here in verse 5, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. Now, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that had part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ. They shall reign with him a thousand years. So, there's those that have died, and they will be resurrected. They will have a glorified body, and they will go into the millennium upon the earth. Now, these are not part of the body of Christ. They're not part of this period of time. The body of Christ is made up from those believers, Jews and Gentiles, from Pentecost to the rapture. Here we're talking about those coming from the tribulation period. So they're going to go into the millennial reign upon the earth. Now, in verse 11... And I saw a great white throne. Now, this takes place at the end of the thousand-year reign upon the earth. 
And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. So there's going to be the great white throne judgment. This judgment is for those who have never trusted Christ as their Savior. So from the beginning of man all the way down through time, every lost person, the Bible says, death and hell, death the bodies, hell the souls, and they will stand at the great white throne judgment, and they will be judged according to their works. This doesn't determine whether they get to go to heaven or hell. They're already lost, and they're already going to hell. This is to show them that God is just in His decision. And there's people that think that they're not that bad, and God's going to show them that they are, and God will use their works, things that they have said, done, thought, as justification to be cast into the final lake of fire. So that day is coming. Now look what he says here. In verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Now as we study the book of Romans in chapter 2, where it talks about God will judge every man according to his works. And God is righteous and uh, he's not a respecter of persons. Oh, this is what those scriptures is talking about. And God is going to judge. So people who don't trust Christ as their Savior, then God will judge them by their works and prove by their works that not one man was justified. Not one man can say he doesn't deserve to go to hell. God will judge. And this is what the judgment of the great white throne judgment is about. So look what he says in verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, the second death, many people put it this way, if you're born once, you're going to die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. So I have been born twice. So I will only die once. And I might not have that one. But if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, you're going to die twice. It means you're separated from your body once. Then you'll be eternally separated from God for all eternity. That's the second death. So the second death is eternal separation from God. And if you look here, it says, This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life. See, this is the Lamb's book of life. See, when you trust Christ as your Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's His book. That's the book in which there is no sin recorded, no death recorded. There's these two main books. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 5, it says in verse 1, This is the book of the generation of Adam in the day that God created him. And as you go down through, it says, And he lived so long and he died, and somebody lived so long and he died, and so long and he died, and so long and he died. But there's deaths recorded in the book of the generation of Adam. That's the first man. But whenever you go to the book of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, in the very first verse, it says, this is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And in this book, there is no deaths recorded. Because that is the Lamb's book of life. So there's the 
book of the living, when you're born into the world, then there's the book of life for eternal life, when you trust Christ as your Savior. So it says, and the books were open, and they were judged out of those books. They weren't judged out of the book of life. And whosoever, and since none of these were judged out of that book, then they were all lost. And so those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, we've already been judged. We don't have to worry about that. See, Christ took our judgment. We don't go to hell and pay for anything. But the lost, because they rejected the payment Christ made, yes, for all eternity. So, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, I just want to cover a couple of verses of the following chapter. One, because I think it's kind of connected to all of this together. Then he says, and I saw in verse 1 of chapter 21, a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven, the first earth were passed away, no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, sometimes there's, it's hard to figure out exactly when this happened, but it seemed like it taken place after the great white throne judgment. Whether it does or not, I don't know, or if it's just in, in sequence, it's the next thing to take place. Or it goes all the way back and it hovers above the earth when we're ruling and reigning with Christ during the thousand years. I don't really know. I know where we're going to be. And this is what he says. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Then in verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. The former things are passed away. Now we know the former earth, the world, is passed away. How much people are going to remember it for how long, I don't know. It seems like there is a good possibility for there to be tears shed at the judgment seat of Christ. When we see what we could have done. That's why he made the statement. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Because in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 10 it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us may give account of himself according to things that are done in the body, whether it be good or bad. So we've got to give an account. And that's a good place probably for some tears to be shed. But I can't prove it. There's a good possibility... That when we stand here at the great white throne judgment, though we will not be judged. This is a judgment upon the lost. But for us to be there, I believe there's going to be a certain amount of recognition of our life and their life. Of opportunities we had, but maybe didn't take advantage of. Seeing people that we could have perhaps made a difference. And you'll read the book of Jude, it says, having compassion making a difference. The reason we live our lives for the Lord in this life, in this world, is so that we can make a difference. Having compassion. He talks about as pulling them out of the fire. But there is a good possibility that there will be tears shed here. We know that will be probably from the, the lost people because it talks about in every case a weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
So that is going to take place. But when God wipes away all tears from their eyes, see there in verse 4, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Who is the there? Is it us? Is it them? There will be no more death, neither sorrow. It can't be referring to them. It must be referring to us. Neither shall there be any more pain. Well, it can't be referring to them. It must be referring to us. So I believe that God's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. It means there must be some tears to be wiped away. And God says the former things will be remembered no more. And how God's going to do all of that or wipe our minds or the slate clean and we're not going to remember certain things, I don't know. Remember, in heaven, it's those who have the second birth. The first birth doesn't count there. The first birth is what we live in down here. But heaven is only those in the second birth. And how much we'll know and remember and all that, I have no clue. But look in verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life. Isn't it amazing? Here's that word again. Freely. Freely. So regardless of who happens to be reading the book of Revelation, they don't understand all of that. They might understand, you know, I don't get it all, but I know I don't want to go to the lake of fire. And the Lord still throws it in here. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely, freely, no charge. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. He shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving, the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is those that are lost. This is a description of all the various names mentioned here, but whether it's a liar or an unbeliever, it's the same person. They have never trusted Christ as Savior. So that's why when you read the other scriptures and you understand that, yes, salvation is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the greatest thing that you and I can ever know. Look up here just a moment. Letting this hand represent you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. It means that we do all these bad things because we have an old sinful nature. And because of these sins, it's got to be paid. God gave His righteous law that says the soul that sins, uh, he has to die. Because the wages of sin is death. So since we've all sinned, we all die. Everybody has to die. And God says that when we die, if we die without trusting Christ as our Savior, we will be eternally separated from God in a literal fire-burning hell. But God says He loves us, and He hates our sin. But for us to pay for it is death and hell. So God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. See, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth 
wherein dwelleth righteousness. And to be there and to live forever, you can't have any sin. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all of our sins, and when he took all of our sins upon him, the Bible says he was smitten of God, and he paid for our sins. If he paid for my sins, then I don't have to. Why? He paid for them. You see, I don't have to go to hell and pay for one sin. Why? He paid for them. But the payment is not put to my account till I believe he did it for me. So when I believe he did it for me, he puts that payment to my account, I get to go to heaven on what Christ did. I didn't earn it, didn't work for it. I don't deserve it. But God loves me, and loves me that much, that he would give me as a free gift everlasting life. And I can know positively beyond a shevet, I can know that I'm going to heaven whenever I die. I know right now, I am going to be able to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years like the Garden of Eden. And what I do today and tomorrow and for the rest of my life is going to pay off there. It will be worth it. If you don't think it's worth it, you do whatever you want to do. No skin off my nose. You can live like the devil if you want to. Waste your life if you want to. But this day is coming, and when this day shows up, you'll wish you had of. And it won't matter what anybody else thinks. So I would recommend... That if you trusted Christ as your Savior, realize that this is true. This day, one day, will arrive. And we're going to be out of here. And one day when you and I leave this world, however we leave this world, by death or the rapture, we'll wish we had given Him more. You don't want to have years of regret? Serve the Lord now. Nobody can make you. Nobody can make you discipline your life, stop things in your life, witness. Nobody can make you do that. There's got to be something on the inside of you that says, I believe this, I believe this, and I'm going to do what I can while I can. Let's pray, shall we? If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, oh, friend, I wish you would. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to give any money. You don't have to promise anything, stop anything, join anything. All you have to do is be honest and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Because, friends, you are. God knows it anyway. You might as well own up to it. Just say, Lord, you're right. I'm not perfect. I don't deserve to go to heaven. And I believe Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust him as my Savior, as my only hope of going to heaven. And, friend, God said if you would do that, he would save you, give eternal life. Would you do it? Would you trust Him? Right where you are, friend. God knows who you are, knows what you've done, knows what you're going to do, still loves you. You want to go to heaven? There is no other way except through Christ. Will you trust Him and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven? If you believe He died and paid for your sins, and you just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I believe He did it for me, and I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven whenever I die, then, friend, you can know upon the authority of the Word of God, God says that he will give you as a free gift eternal life, and he'll never cast you out and never lose you, and that you can know that you have eternal life.